On this week's episode of Midlife AF, we're going to be talking about partners, loved ones, drinking when we are either not or taking a break from or that the partners are drinking more than we think that they should regardless of what we're doing with alcohol. It's a fascinating subject and one I get asked about all the time. Often I have clients who are getting triggered because their partners are drinking when they have stopped. I have friends and family and clients who talk about other members of their family and partners who are drinking more than they wish that they were. And what can they do to help those people? And then the other part is, you know, if you have decided that you're going to live an alcohol-free life, how does that work when your long-term partner has not? So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a lot of fun to make. And I talk a lot about my own personal experience of this. So I'll see you in the podcast. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. This week we're going to talk about, by popular demand, what to do when your partner or friend or family member is drinking in a way that doesn't feel comfortable for you. And I think there's three things to cover around this. One is when you stop or take a break from drinking and a lot of feelings are coming up about a partner still drinking or a friend or whatever. The other is, If you decide to become alcohol-free and your partner doesn't from a long-term perspective, what that looks like. And the third is regardless of whether or not you are alcohol-free, planning to be alcohol-free, sober curious, but if you have a partner, close friend, family member who is drinking in a way that you think is problematic, and you want to know what the best thing to do to help them is. So there's there's a few different things there. So the first, let's start with, and this is something that I quite often get from friends um, and also from clients as well. But let's start with what to do if you have a partner who's drinking more than you think they should. And this can apply to a family member. It can apply to anything. It's the same. All the research says the same. So... You cannot make somebody else change. People can be forced into changing through fear, but until they decide to change for themselves 
and really want to do it now it might be that they end up feeling like that because you're making them do it they might end up feeling that that's the right thing for them to do and feel good about it but in most cases unless a person comes to their own decision around taking a break from or reducing or whatever ends up in the the situation they will generally go back to drinking because it is one of those things that really has to come from inside ourselves and so with that in mind what to do when you've got a partner who you are worried about their drinking you think that they are harming themselves their um, behavior isn't a great in the family and look in terms of boundaries and I'm just going to preface here that you know in terms of violence in terms of um, domestic abuse emotional abuse none of that's ever acceptable regardless of you know whether a person is suffering from um, alcohol use disorder or not so in that situation that's a um, and I'll, I'll put a reference in this podcast as well for the domestic violence helpline um, and, and somewhere you can go for that and the emergency services as well. But in this situation, I'm talking about a relatively healthy relationship where one person is drinking problematically. And again, I would still say that boundaries in terms of what we accept and what we don't accept, in terms of people's behavior around us and people's behavior around our kids, they are very valid conversations to have regardless um, of the person's uh, relationship with alcohol because that is about their behavior and what's acceptable and not acceptable for you and so you're telling people about what boundaries are which is basically how you need them to be in order for them to stay in your life in order for it to be you to have a, a good relationship so boundaries are important and there's no uh, under acknowledging that and keeping yourself your physical and mental self safe is your primary and your children is your primary concern but if we want to help people change their relationship with alcohol the very best thing that we can do is number one be the change we want to see yeah so you know, if you want your partner to stop drinking, don't drink with them. Don't show them that they you can live a happy, joyful, great life without alcohol being involved in it. You know, that would be my recommendation. Be the change you want to see. You know, even if that is that you, you know, you just have one drink here, here and there. Um, but be the change you want to see. But what I would suggest is the really unhelpful is to just be constantly criticizing and nagging them about alcohol because you then become the thing they're rebelling against. You then become part of the problem. And I often have this with clients. Is that sometimes clients want me to take that parent role so they can rebel against me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you don't need to rebel against me. I, I give you permission to do whatever you want. You're a grown-up. Yeah, for, for, for me, it's no skin off my nose what you choose to do. I'm just here to help you if you want to change, you know, change the mindset, change the, you know, all the other, you know, 
work with understanding your um, nervous system and so on. So it's really important not to become a parent with a person who is struggling because there's a really in relational um, therapy, which is something I believe very, very strongly and it works very well for me. And something that's really helped me in my relationships with my family is we have this concept of same, same. So we as a human being are the same as anybody else as a human being. Neither one of us is better or worse than the other. So neither should we be holding other people in contempt or should we hold ourselves in contempt. And often in relationships that are for dysfunctional, we're doing one or the other. And I, for a long time, held myself in contempt and I had a very dysfunctional relationship and I'm still working on that, but it's something I bring in quite a lot. And I think, again, it's, you know, I will talk a lot more about this as we go through, but inner child work is so important, understanding where each other's coming from, allowing each other to have our own realities and not making the other person bad. The minute we make somebody else bad, what we're doing is we're struggling against what is. And struggling against what is, is what leads to our biggest discontentment, which is why myself and a lot of other therapists and people who work in this space are very big on things like radical acceptance, which again, we'll go into in a different different podcast episode. But so it's really, really important not to be the preacher. It's really, nobody ever, and you have this in everything to do with alcohol, nobody wants unsolicited advice. So nobody wants someone to tell them all the reasons why alcohol is bad for them and why they shouldn't drink and why when they don't, they do drink their X, Y, and Z. So the very best thing that you can do, as I said, is be the change you want to see. And then the other thing is just let, (coughs) excuse me, let the person know that when they need help, you are there for them. And that's why this judgment, if you're judging and looking down and finding them bad and finding them wrong, you're not standing next to them in empathy. And I'm not saying you have to fix them or make them better. In fact, quite the opposite. You are not responsible for them. You are only responsible for yourself. But the kindest thing that you can do for them is say, when you're ready, I'm here for you. And the thing is, and if you, you know, you don't even have to say that it's actually just about being there, showing them that you're the change, showing them that you're not judging them, showing them you understand that alcohol is an addictive substance to anybody made of blood, skin and bone. And that there's, we, we know, and you're, you're here, there's more and my, more in my podcast, but it's never about the booze. People drink because they're unhappy. People drink because they have anxiety. People drink because they need to numb out. People drink because they need to escape. It's not about the booze. Yes, alcohol is addictive substance. Um, And yes, once we start to use it to alleviate pain, it has, you know, it becomes harder and harder for us to stop using it. But it's never about the booze. So, if we care about the other person, 
we don't fix them because that becomes codependent and never really works. And again, we can go on to that in another episode. But we let them know that we're not judging them. And if they, if and when they're ready to change and they need any help and they need a safe place to land, we'll be that soft place to land for them. So that's that's that part of uh, the podcast. And I hope that's helpful. Um, but it's it's not about enabling. It's about being the, being the change you want to see. And it's about letting them know that you're not judging them, you're not making them bad, and that put your boundaries in where you need to, but let them know that you're a soft place for them to land when they're ready. So that's the first piece. Then the second piece is you stop drinking and your partner still drinks. And it's the beginning of your journey with alcohol. So you're taking a break or whatever you're doing, but your partner's still drinking and it's triggering you. So it's making you want to drink. And so this is a really interesting one. And I hear this so often from people because this is the brain. Brain loves us to blame somebody else for something. Because what happens with the brain is when the brain blames somebody else for something, it literally, it relieves itself of all responsibility. So If you're blaming somebody and saying, oh, you know, he's triggering me, he's, um, and I'm saying he could be she, whatever your your relationship looks like, um, that person's triggering me because they're doing this. And then you're making it mean something about them. Oh, they're not supporting me. They're not loving me. Well, that's, that's just not true. They have their own journey and you have your own journey. And if you start blaming somebody else, your brain thinks, I don't need to do this. It's their fault. So it's really important that your journey with booze isn't about somebody else. Yeah. And I remember for me with Damien and I, we always did, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about this more because I'm very much on a, on a food journey myself, but we always did sort of healthy eating. We always did stopping drinking. We always did it together. And then I started, he, he, he wasn't doing it the same as like, you know, when I wanted to do it. And I suddenly realized that this was a problem for me and whatever he chose to do, I wanted to stop drinking for a year because I wanted to see what that was like. And he wasn't going to come with me. So I could sit around and wait for him to come with me and wait for him to support me and keep abandoning myself and my needs and what I felt in my deepest inner knowing was something that was going to change things for me in a big way, in a positive way for my mental health and for how I felt about myself as a person. And so I had to make the decision to do it without him. And when I made that decision, I just let, I, I, I really was like, I am not going to, he can do what he likes. I'm not making any of this about him. And really it's been like that ever since. So for me, Damien still drinks. He still drinks the way that, you know, I used to drink. He drinks at the weekends. He, um, and he has his own social life around that. And his social life revolves around drinking and doing things that he enjoys. And that's fine. Yeah, for me, that is totally fine. Um, What I don't like 
and this is what a lot of people will talk about who have partners who drink is when they become inebriated and you're on a different level to them and that is problematic um but again it doesn't mean they're bad it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them it's just you're on a different plane and they can become a bit annoying like anyone can right when they're drunk um and yes, it does mean things change in your relationship. I've been really lucky. Um, mine and Damien's relationship has not got any worse from me stopping drinking. It's actually much, much better. Still got a long way to go, but it's much, much better than it was because I have more space in my brain between responding, like, so I can respond rather than react. So whereas before we used to and have massive fights um, and become this parent-child dynamic. And we, we be, this again, though, this is more relational relationship stuff, which we'll, I'll get more into. But like we were under the wrong impression that in an argument, somebody had to win and somebody had to lose. And I went through most of my life thinking that was what had to happen in an argument. So every time I felt like I was losing, I felt like I was under threat for my life because that was how things worked and I didn't like to lose. And this, that's a whole, and it's a whole another conversation, but um, what it has enabled me to do is create a bigger, and just by stopping drinking, you get a, a little bit of a gap, that little pause between stimulus and response. Um, which, you know, they say is, I think it's Viktor Frankl has a really um, a great quote on that, uh, which I don't know. So that's really useful for this podcast, but I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but basically it's that ability to pause and 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 choose a different action that's not a, re a, a reactive action and be able to kind of, and, and for me, stopping drinking is about giving yourself that pause and then starting to unpack the onion, the reasons why we drink, the reasons why we do all the things we do so that we can evolve into this integrated human being with all our faults, our warts and all, loving ourselves just as we are. So that was my, that's my experience of that. And that's my recommendation is just try and let another, the other people be. They don't have to be the same as you. They don't have to be on the same journey as you. And if you blame them, you lose your power. Because if you blame them, then your brain starts to say, I'm not responsible. It's somebody else's fault, which often then leads to people drinking. So then the last piece of the pie is longer term. So longer term, what do we do when our partners are drinking and we have become a long-term non-drinker? which is exactly the situation that I'm in with, with Damien. Um, and even to the point where Dames actually works for a big alcohol company. Um, so it's quite funny. We're like, uh, we're like chalk and cheese, but what I found with my, with Damien is again, his journey through life is not my responsibility. And I think many of us who are codependent, who've been brought up, particularly women, to think our role in life is to fix people, to make everybody else okay, to be responsible for everybody else's experience, is letting go of that. That's huge in terms of our overwhelm, our stress levels, our, you know, we don't have to fix everybody. We are not responsible for everybody's behaviour. They 
you know, the people around us, the people we love, our kids, our partners, they exist and we exist and we will do our best to be to show up and be there for them, but we don't need to take their stuff into our bodies. We do not need to try and fix them. We're all on our own journeys through life. And so for me and Damien, it's been about finding things that connect us that aren't drinking because we don't really drink together anymore. Like we might go out for dinner or something like that. But whereas we used to spend days and afternoons together just drinking, you know, that was our, you know, experience with each other. So now we we discovered in COVID, we both did like silly yoga together in the morning before work um, because we were all at home in Melbourne in the big lockdown. And um, we don't do it every day anymore like we used to, but at least once or twice a week we do yoga together before the kids, we get the kids up for school. And we have a giggle and we're not great and we've got bellies that stick out and we can't do all the things, but we have fun together and laughing together. It's really, really important. Um, We still have a laugh together, like we have a good giggle and I think that's really quite important as well. We're still working a lot on our relationship. There's There's a lot more to go to make it how I'd like it to be. And I think he'd like it to be as well. Um, but we are progressing and he is keen to do that with me. And I think that's another really important thing because a lot of people do um, relationships break down once they stop drinking because, you know, they find that the other person's not willing to go, you know, you're in growth and the other person's not wanting to, to grow. Um, and that can be problematic. And I hear that a lot. And often people get over it as well. Often um, it, he's always been a seeker of knowledge like we met each other he was a hippie like we both worked in corporate but we both went to raves we both into spiritual stuff he was into buddhism he's a very clever guy um science fiction kind of nerdy but we both we all went to we used to our big group of friends used to go to raves and it would all be like you know um the meaning of life and all that kind of stuff um and so he has a spiritual, he's always on a spiritual quest and inquiry. He's an intelligent person. And one of my values is, mm. is learning, learning and growth. And so we have that in common. And other things we like to do, like the other day we went um, roller skating with kids. It was so funny. We went to this great place in Collingwood. Um, really, really funky atmosphere. It was called Bourne Market. And they do once a week, they do like roller disco. Kids couldn't see them for dust me and Damo going around the roller skating ring he was loving it I was loving it we were having a great time you know having a bit of fun like that together the other thing we both really enjoy is we love um supping we love supboarding that was something I got a few years ago a supboard for my Christmas present and we really enjoy in the summer to get up early and go out and chalk. We find like, you know, that side-by-side talking is really good to work through things. Um, so that's really good for us. And then what else was I going to say? Something else. I think it might be and going for walks together and things like that. But also we, we've been to Katie Underwood's um, sound healing sessions Um together and that's been really good to have that kind of spiritual awakening experience with music because he really loves that and one of the other things I'm going to try and get him to do is come with me to a um, ecstatic dance session um, because he loves raving he loves dancing so 
it'd be, it'd be quite cool i think it's about it's just about keeping that connection isn't it and sort of loving and 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 understanding the other person and they don't have to be the same as you you don't have to be on the same journey you know i'd love it if you did end up coming on the same journey as me but you know that's not going to make any difference to what i'm doing or to our relationship so i think i've covered everything there that um that i can think i'd love to have if you've got any questions just reach out to me on um either send me a direct message on my instagram or through my email emma at hoperisingcoaching.com and if any of you've got anything else that you'd love to add to the podcast, anything else you'd like me to chat about or any guests that you'd like me to approach, let me know and we'll do that too. So wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining me today on Midlife AF. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you. Thank you.